Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Relaxing, releasing any unnecessary tension that you can release. Establishing your own intention for your meditation practice, aspiration to be friendly towards your own mind, heart, body. The practice of mindfulness is training the mind to receive the moment-to-moment present-time experience without judgment. As we investigate what's happening physically, emotionally, mentally, at all of the sense doors, put an attitude or a foundation of loving-kindness Accepting ourselves just as we are, accepting this world just as it is. Non-contention. Rather than being contentious with your mind. Letting go of the struggle, the fight, the arguments. as we direct our full attention to our direct experience. The Buddha's initial instruction, straightforward, simple, breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, know that you're breathing out. As we direct our attention to the breath, receiving the sensations that the breath creates at the nostrils or chest or belly, letting everything else be in the background, the thoughts receding, sounds receding to the background as we make the body breathing the foreground of our attention, mindfulness of the breath.
And of course, our attention is drawn away from the breath, back to thinking, to hearing. Just acknowledge that that's what has happened. And then choose to return, reestablish this foundational practice of mindfulness of breathing. Not trying to stop the mind, just trying to stop being engaged.
the inner attitude of kindness, of friendliness. Not judging the mind for what it's doing, not judging ourselves. Just accepting this as a mind that thinks. Just as the heart beats all by itself, just as the lungs breathe all by themselves, the digestive system, the nervous system, all of this autonomic experience of the physical body, the mind is just part of that. It thinks all by itself. But awareness, we can choose where we place our attention, where we bring awareness to the body, to the emotions, to the sounds. Part of this mind training is learning to choose where we're going to focus our attention. breaking our addiction to thinking.
we all must find our own relaxed effort, connecting, sustaining the sensations, the breath creating, tension being drawn off into sounds, thoughts, other sensations in the body. Friendly acknowledgement and gentle returning to the breath. Sometimes simply noting or labeling where the attention has gone, naming it, thinking, hearing, feeling. And then the choice to return.
the Buddha's meditation instructions expands to include the whole body using this gathered attention of focusing on the breath to begin to investigate what else is being felt in the body, what emotions are present, bringing mindfulness to the sounds rather than returning to the breath, open awareness, inclusive of what the mind is doing, what the body is feeling, what the heart is experiencing. Becoming more and more awake to the impermanent nature. Investigating, seeing clearly the transient, constantly changing reality of every experience, every breath, every sensation, every thought. Arising, changing, sustaining, dissolving. perhaps repeating. Waking up to and investigating the feeling tone in your body and mind. What is perceived as pleasant? What's feeling good? What are you liking about this moment? What is unpleasant? Perceived as painful, uncomfortable. or neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Experiment with making room for everything rather than trying to stop the mind or 
identify every thought or sensation, just experiment with a spacious, open awareness that lets the thoughts just float through. That makes room for the sensations, even the painful ones, tolerance, mercy, softening, opening. By paying attention to sound, we can allow our consciousness to expand, to fill the whole room, beyond the room. Let go of the effort to be completely aware of everything and make room for everything, spacious, open, a mind like the sky, thoughts and feelings just like clouds, weather patterns. And of course, use the breath as a home base, an anchor, return. When you find yourself really lost in a memory, a plan, come back to the breath. And then open again to your whole being. Not ignoring the mind, but observing it, training it.
the last couple of minutes, shifting gears to the practice of loving kindness, which is simply establishing well-wishing, goodwill, friendliness in your heart towards yourself with the simple wish, may I be at ease with myself just as I am. And then extending that wish for ease to the people in your immediate vicinity, in the room here with us meditating, the Zoom room, your home. Just as I wish to be at ease, may you experience ease, well-being, freedom. Extending compassion to the pain, to the suffering, the confusion that we all experience. Extending appreciation to the joy, gratitude, sympathetic joy to the happiness, the appropriate successes of others. And begin extending this wish outward in all directions, the Buddha said, above and below, those near and far away, those seen and unseen, the seen is the whole human realm, the animal realm, all that we can see with our eye. And as we're going to reflect on tonight, there are also unseen realms, hell realms and heaven realms, ghost realms. Extending loving kindness even to those unseen realms, just in case they exist. May all beings in all forms, all realms of existence be met with kindness, be met with compassion and appreciation. May we each remember that all living beings, seen and unseen, are subject to their own karma, their happiness, or unhappiness depends upon their own actions, not our wishes for them. And just a couple of last kind breaths into your own heart, acceptance right now, it's like this, I'm like this. And when you're ready, allowing your eyes to open.
And take a moment before I get into my talk tonight to reflect on your meditation experience. Without judging, just acknowledging like, oh, you know, how is my ability to sustain awareness of my breath? Is it improving? Sometimes it feels like, oh, tonight was difficult. Uh, this meditation was challenging. Just acknowledging that. We're able to make room for the thoughts, that reflection, that encouragement to, to make space, to be inclusive and non-judgmental of the impermanent reality that is our human mind condition just remembering what you just experienced reflecting on it feel free to close that window if you want to Jen. So we're coming to the end of the um, Heart of the Revolution book. I've been going chapter by chapter through for the last, I don't know, however many weeks or months it's taken, taken me to get through it. There's a couple more chapters. This is the third to the last of the series. And the topic tonight is um, Buddhist cosmology, what the Buddha taught about uh, this human realm and um, other realms of existence. The Buddha's teaching was that we're incarnated, we're this, what we call planet Earth, <laughs> um, is... Uh, called samsara he referred to this realm of existence he said this is samsara and samsara consists of six different destinations six different realms the six realms um, all of samsara is subject to impermanence you know this is part of the buddha's understanding of um that the reality that we're playing out is not uh, eternalism. He, he said, my, my awakening, my, my insight led me to, to reject this uh, eternalist philosophy that he was raised with, that I think almost all of us are raised with, unless you had some cool atheist nihilist parents. Um, but we live in a culture that is uh, an eternalist culture, heaven, hell forever <laughs> eternal salvation eternal damnation and in the indian the ancient indian um 
reincarnation, eternal rebirth. You keep coming back forever, and you're just kind of trying to re-improve your, uh, uh, improve your, your rebirth. And the Buddha said, it's not actually what's happening here. We're in samsara. All of the realms are impermanent. Reincarnation is what's happening here. Rebirth is part of what we're experiencing. But you only keep coming back to one of these six realms that we're going to talk about if you haven't finished your work. If you haven't ended your karma, purified your karma. Samsara is fueled. Existence in samsara. Our existence (laughs) is fueled by clinging. When you stop clinging, you stop coming back. It's fueled by uh, the three poisons, greed, hatred, and delusion. And as long as we still have some greed and some hatred and some delusion, then we continue to be in samsara. And the word samsara itself means uh, wandering. It means a perpetual um, uh, pilgrimage, (laughs) a a perpetual wandering. Samsara, this realm of just kind of like wandering around sort of lost. um, And as long as you have greed, you're going to keep wandering through lifetime after lifetime, wondering like, what the fuck am I doing here again? As long as you still have hatred, as long as you're still identified, attached to hatred, you're going to just kind of be like, why am I fucking suffering again? Over and over, identified with my resentments, with my fears, with my... In delusion, there's lots of levels of delusion. The interesting thing about the first two is that when you have greed, on some level or another, you know it. You're right. You're like lust. You're like, I'm lustful, greedy. I'm attached. I'm, you know it, right? You're aware. If you have any mindfulness at all, if if you're experiencing greed, you know, this is fucking greed, (laughs) right? This is, and, and from the subtle clinging and attachment to the big, like lustful, materialist, greedy, selfish, right? You're aware of it. When you have hatred, you're aware of it, right? Like I'm angry, I'm resentful, I'm spiteful, I'm, I've got ill will. Like, you, you know, like I'm pissed. You're aware of it. But when you're deluded, <laughs> when you're delusional, by definition, you don't know it because you're delusional. <laughs> so that's the hard one, right? Like, I mean, they're all hard. I think maybe the Buddha at one point said that actually uh, greed in the form of lust, sexual attachment and relationships, he said, that's the hardest. That's where we all suffer. We all get attached, sexual, sensual intimacy. He's like, that's the hardest place to not get attached. And there's more human suffering about the attachment that we do with each other then there is suffering about hatred, which, and I remember when I heard that, I was like, that doesn't sound right. I look at this world and I focus on all of the hatred and wars and oppression and ignorance and be like, this world is, people are suffering because we're hurting each other. 
And the Buddha's like, yeah, we are hurting each other, but you know what? We suffer even more by clinging to each other. Because not everyone hurts other people, intentionally anyways, but almost everyone suffers about clinging to each other or, you know, craving and clinging. So it's more pervasive. And he says, more, actually more difficult to break. You can take a vow of nonviolence. You can take a vow of, uh, but you, have you tried to take a vow of non-attachment? <laughs> I have. <laughs> a lot of us have for a long time. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm going to stop doing that. That hurts. But it's not so easy. We can't just choose not to do it. I, it's going on a tangent there. I wanted to talk a little bit about, okay, so we're here in samsara and delusion. The way that I think of it most is the delusion of a permanent self. And maybe even a kind of easier way is just that self-centeredness, which on some level is greed, but it's just that delusion of like everything's personal. And even like in the meditation instruction I was talking about tonight, uh, even taking your own thoughts personal as like, I am, I'm trying to meditate, but I'm thinking. And it's this delusion as though your mind is your identity. A delusion that thinks everything that my mind does, that's me. Rather than this, you know, do you do that to your heartbeat? My I'm, I'm beating my heart. I'm sitting here and I, I'm beating my heart like 60 times a minute or a second or whatever it is. I'm fucking, you know, and then, you know, sometimes I'm going to beat my heart faster. I'm going to beat my heart slower. Like we don't, we're not that weird and delusional or even your breath. Like, oh, I'm breathing really killer tonight <laughs> just smooth and deep and sensual my i'm just or get, you ever get mad at your breath like fucking shallow breather mouth breather <laughs> right i mean i'm joking about it because we don't take those that that personal like oh my heart just beats all by itself my Yes, we have some influence over, I can take a deep breath or I can, but the body just, we know it. The body just, you just keep breathing. You go to sleep, you just keep breathing. It's just, you're always breathing. You're not effortless. But our minds, this delusion of, I should be able to control my mind and everything that arises in my mind is me and uh, taking all of the criticism and comparing and judging and lust, you know, the, the greed and the hatred that arise in the mind and the body, we take so personally as though it's our fault somehow, rather than just, oh, I incarnated in samsara again. And what comes with incarnation is craving for pleasure, aversion to pain, and a mind that is self-centered. This is the good news of this whole path. And it's the, I'd like to simply put it as like, it's not your fault that you're a self-centered, greedy bastard. 
Now, if you are offended by that and somehow think that doesn't apply to you, that's delusion. <laughs> also, not your fault that you're deluded about how your mind actually works. The more we meditate, the more we see, oh yeah, there's this craving and there's this aversion and there's this I, me, mine tendency. And I'm not doing it on purpose, but that's what's happening in this human condition for all of us, not just for us super dysfunctional recovering addicts, for everyone, for all beings. The Buddha is saying about this about himself. He's like, you know, I'm, this is the way it is. And there is a way out. The core of the Four Noble Truths is like there's this suffering and it's created by this greed, hatred, delusion that we're born into and that is, you know, what this body and mind does. But there's this truth of the repetitive craving that causes the suffering, the clinging. The, there's this path of training, train the mind to not to see through, to understand that it's all impermanent, to understand it's not that personal. Practice renunciation. Here's this path to end suffering. Without training, suffering is unavoidable. With training, with the training of the four truths, the eightfold path, the practice of renunciation, we can end suffering. This is the, the core promise. This is the teaching. Human beings have the ability. Having taken birth in this samsara, perpetual wandering, as a human being, and not only as a human being, but as a human being that had the good fortune to uh, come in contact with some good instructions. We're all having this fortunate birth where not only did we have enough suffering <laughs> to get our asses on the cushion or the chair or yoga mat or whatever it is, but not only enough suffering to motivate us, but also we've been given good instructions. Here's what you can do about it. Are you suffering? Do you want to not suffer? Here's what you can do about it. Mindfulness is an amazing intervention, loving kindness, compassion, forgiveness. Like we have these tools when applied that will start to purify our karma. And rather than going through this lifetime asleep, chasing one pleasure after the other, avoiding every pain and, you know, a vain attempt to avoid pain, we learn to turn towards our pain. Now, in these six realms, the human realm is the ideal place for enlightenment where we have the right mixture of pleasure and pain, like I said, enough pain to motivate us to practice some renunciation, enough pain to uh, have us seek out spiritual teachings and meditative techniques, and then enough joy to enjoy life and enough uh, cognitive ability to have a mind that we can train 
to relate to our own mind with our own mind. And no, it's that meta-awareness, right? Where we have this, what are we doing? We're training our mind to see itself more clearly, to see its self-centered tendencies. It's not like there's this outside observer that's watching your mind. It's your mind watching itself, (laughs) which is really fucking weird and cool. And we have this ability as humans in this incarnation form that none of the other realms really have that ability. And so that's why we talk about, it's like so fortunate, this opportunity that we have here. Because there's also the animal realm that we see. And this, you know, sometimes controversial with, you know, different views and opinions about, you know, think for a moment. Do you think that animals have a, are having a better or worse incarnation than you? Uh, and it depends on uh, what kind of animal, like, you know, people get super like, well, my dogs are having a killer incarnation. <laughs> I cook for them. I clean up after them. I, the cats, you know, like, feel like that. But, you know, think about the animal realm, which does include at this point in our, you know, world's history, evolution, domesticated animals. But most of the animals aren't domesticated. Most of the animals are living in the wild, part of the food chain, murdering each other, raping each other. You know, it's like, it's a fucking, it's a terrible place out there in the animal realm where it's like, who's gonna eat me? I'm fucking terrified. And who do I get to eat? And it's just like, for most, I mean, there's a few examples of uh, vegetarian animals that are just like, I'm just eating the grass. I ain't hurting nobody. Uh, But somebody's going to eat them. So the animal realm is considered a realm of survival instinct and fear and uh, a lot of um, kind of reactive, uh, instinctual. One of the main differences from this perspective, you you know, you might have different views, welcome to them. But from this Buddhist perspective, one of the main differences is that human beings have the ability to practice renunciation. We can choose to not do stuff. We can choose to have craving and not satisfy it. Most animals do not have that ability. If they have a craving, their mind tells them to do something, it's just reactive, eat, fuck, kill. Sounds familiar to like a lot of human beings live that same mentality. A lot of us are, are animals. Um, but the, the, that's one of the ways that the Buddha you know, says, you know, we human beings, we can practice renunciation. We can choose to not kill. It's a choice we can make. Even if you feel like it, you can choose to not kill, to not intentionally cause harm. So only these two realms are visible to us. So like when you think about the world, right, you think about humans and animals and, you know, the birds and the fish and the insects and the earthworms, because that's all we can see. And I feel like most of us are pretty 
heavily conditioned by science and materialism, right? And if science can't observe it, then it doesn't exist <laughs> according to science, right? And so a lot of us kind of were like, well, we're just going to believe science. Nothing else exists because we can't see it. We can't observe it with the eye or the microscope or the... But the Buddha said there are some realms that you just can't see. He said there are um, heaven realms. I'll start with the good news that there are heaven realms and that there are like 27, I think it's 27, might be 21. Do you remember, Jason? Maybe it might be 37. I forget, but it's a lot. Oh, 37, six of the main realms. And then I don't know, but I think it's over 20. I think maybe it's 21. Uh, or 27, I don't know, I'm not sure, but all of these different heaven realms. And so what's being said here is that if you live your life and you burn off a lot of your karma and you uh, are almost done, you might get to do some time in a heaven realm. But what's important here is it's just do some time. It's not the Christian, Judeo-Christian, monotheistic, eternal heaven. It's like you get a vacation. You get, a, you know, you get, it's still within samsara, so it's still impermanent, but you get to go and have like a lot of pleasure for a while. And the heaven realms are just what they, you know, they're like, choose your own pleasant adventure. And, you know, like lots of, lots of different realms of bliss and realms of comfort and realms of, you know, all of your desires just being satisfied. The problem with heaven and why it's not very ideal and not a great goal is that it's quite hard to practice uh, compassion because there's not much pain to, not much friction. And so you don't really get to develop much. It's hard to practice non-attachment because it's just, you know, the, the pleasure is too, too easily accessible. There's no necessity for non-attachment. And so it's easy to be stuck in that delusion of, of control because it's just everything's kind of, you're getting everything you want all the time, which, you know, we could, sounds kind of good, right? Kind of good, but not ideal if your goal is real freedom, if your goal is awakening. And then there's all these hell realms. And there's 20-something, I think, heaven realms. And I think there are seven different kinds of hell realms. You know, so if you live, the, if we live our lives in uh, confusion and ignorance and unskillful actions and creating negative karma, you might have to do some time in a hell realm. And the hell realms, like they sound, painful. Heaven realms, pleasant. Hell, hell realms, realms of pain, where it's such overwhelming pain and torture. And, and um, I don't know all seven of them, but I remember that there's like, there's the fiery hells, like you think about in the, like the Judeo-Christian, like the devil and fire and brimstone and Dante's Inferno. Like there's those kind of Buddhist descriptions of hell realms where it's like the lava and the flames and stuff. And you're just like fucking hot and burning and walking back and forth against the coals. And, you know, there's that kind of torture hell realm. And then there's also icy hell realms. That's fucking creative. And what do you choose? Like, if you could choose, you want to freeze 
You want the fucking, um, you know, frozen frostbite hell realm? Or do you want the blistering burning hell realm? What's worse? I was thinking also like we could get really creative with this. I'm like, what's the place that you would least like to be? Like an EDM concert. <laughs> and just being stuck at the electric daisy carnival or whatever it is. And like, like that's your hell realm. No offense to any of you that like to rave. It's okay. I'm just, you know, joking a little bit. You know, for some of you, your hell realm would be a punk show. Like, oh my God. And they were slam dancing. It was hell. Um, but again, whether, you know, these heaven realms or hell realms, they're impermanent. You have to do some time there. And it's really hard to practice the Dharma when it's that painful or when it's that pleasant. It's really hard to practice compassion or non-attachment or to not take the torture personally. In um, one of the ways this is often, you know, there's these descriptions in the early texts of this, and then the Tibetans are really great artists, you know, Tibetan Buddhist art. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I'll try to paint a mental picture for you, where it's a picture of a, a circular realm. And on the outside, there's 12 little sections, which is dependent origination, which is the explanation of how we uh, travel from lifetime to lifetime or moment to moment. In the middle, there's six realms. And there's the hell realms with the fire or the ice. And there's the heaven realms with the clouds and the angels or whatever. And then there's the human realms with, you know, us hanging out, riding Harley Davidson's. And then there's the uh, animal realms where they're like, you know, eating each other and, you know. Um, and then there's the hungry ghost realm and the jealous gods realm. And I'll come back to those. But in that art, there's whatever's going on the hell realm, but there's always a picture of a Buddha in every realm. So in each of those six realms, there's a picture of a Buddha in heaven saying, you know, meaning the assigning meaning is like, yes, okay, you're in constant pleasure, but you could still try to practice some non-attachment, non-attached appreciation. Don't get your, this is temporary. He's, he's, you know, the Buddha's there in heaven you know, that, that wisdom voice that says, don't get attached to this. It's not going to last. You can't have orgasms forever. Don't try. It's impermanent. Or the Buddha in the hell realm who's saying like, yep, this is really painful and it's impermanent. And you could try your best to muster some compassion for this experience of hell. You know, one of the ways to get out of hell is to practice some generosity. When you're so overwhelmed with your own suffering and you're so in that self-centeredness, if you can muster a little bit of generosity to help someone else that's also in that hell realm, that's one of the escapes. That's one of the, you know, this is one of the brilliance of addiction recovery, like be of service to someone else, even if you're suffering, especially if you're suffering, help someone else. Um, in the human realm, he's there saying like, yep, here we are. And we have the pleasure. We have the pain. We have the greed, hatred, and delusion, but we have these human minds where we can develop 
mindfulness. We can learn to concentrate. We can practice renunciation. You know, he's like the doors to the awakening are open, the human realm. Uh, again, in the animal realm, you know, he's this image of uh, reminder of renunciation. Like you don't have to follow your, your instincts. Your instincts will get you in trouble, as we most of us all know. <laughs> not, not so trustworthy. The jealous God's realm is really interesting because it's this realm, like picture it if you're in the room or wherever you are, it's this realm where they say like, everything's good. It's a realm of abundance. It's a realm of like, there's more than enough resources. There's delicious food. There's beautiful people. Your partner of your choice, like people love you. Like it's a good place. Like things are there's nothing missing, but there's a tree that grows in this realm. And um, as though, but the, like there's a ceiling, imagine like a, a realm with a ceiling. So in the art, there's this tree that grows, but then it goes through up into the heaven realms and the fruit and everybody up there at the orgies and the heaven realms is like eating the fruit. And down here, like, we don't need the fruit. We've got papayas and mangoes and everything else delicious, but we don't get any of that kind of fruit. They get it in heaven. And, these, and it's this like God-like realm that is just jealousy. It's just that like, I don't even need it, but, I, but you have it, I fucking want it and I will kill you for it. Jealous gods and they're at war with the heaven realm. They want to kill them. They, they, don't, they don't get to, but they're just waging war on those who have more or have different, have something that they want. And again, the Buddha shows up in that realm going like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't need, accept what you have. Enough is enough, <laughs> right? Like this repetitive craving, this greed, this jealousy, it's just suffering. The Buddha's like, you know, you don't need that. What you need is an inner acceptance of what you have. No need to suffer about this shit. And the hungry ghost realm is depicted as um, all big bodies, big job of the hut. There's a good 80s reference, old school Star Wars. Just these big bodies, but then they have these uh, uh, tiny necks and pinhole mouths. And, and, this, and it's a realm of uh, hunger, hungry ghosts. In the hungry ghost realm, it's like the jealous gods realm or the human realm, where there's like abundance. There's food. It's a fucking buffet, and you have a huge body, and you're starving, but you got a little pinhole mouth. So you can't, now, even if you suck on it all day, that crack pipe, it will never satisfy the hungry ghost realm where it's like, it's all here, but I just can't get it in. I just can't get enough. It's not possible. There's no satisfaction. Traditional Buddhism is saying, this is literal. 
you're a human being temporarily, depending on how we behave in this lifetime. You might come back as a human to finish off your work. You could get liberated in this lifetime. You could be done. I was talking to somebody this morning, a uh, serious meditator, and she said, I want to be done. I don't want to keep coming back. I want to be done with this cycle of rebirth. I want to get liber. I want liberation in this lifetime. Uh, we did have some conversation of whether maybe that would be easier in the monastery. <laughs> maybe be a nun. You know, it is said that uh, it's possible for us householders to do it while in relationships and, you know, but it's harder. It's much more difficult to practice non-attachment in relationships, to practice non-clinging while in the world. And that that's the sort of setup for the monasticism, like, you know, celibacy, maybe the loneliness and the horniness and all of that is easier to deal with than trying to be non-attached in a loving, sexual, intimate relationship. I forget why I went on that tangent. Something about um, just this cycle of samsara and, you know, here we are and, and where, oh, the literal, you know, this kind of Buddhist perspective, which like this is a, you could, you know, if you really create a bunch of negative karma, you could do some time in hell and it's going to suck. Your karma, you know, or if you do a lot of good, but don't practice, you know, don't really free yourself, you could do it some time in heaven but you're going to have to, you know, you're not done. It's not forever. It's impermanent. If you had a lot of jealousy, you know, if you had everything uh, you wanted in this life, but you were always jealous or not everything you wanted, but everything you needed, you might, you know, have this incarnation as a jealous God. If you're really selfish, right? Like that would suck. Just a lifetime of, of war when it's completely unnecessary not protecting anything or anybody just out of greed or a hungry ghost incarnation. Now, many of us Western psychologically minded uh, rationalist skeptics about reincarnation, like myself and many of my teachers have said, maybe it's more skillful to think of this teaching as analogy for mind states that we go through as human beings rather than, right? Have you ever been in hell for an afternoon? I have, where it just feels like the suffering is unbearable. Did it last forever? Nope. But at the time, did it feel like this shit's never going to end? Yeah. And maybe that lasted not just for an afternoon, but for a period of your life. Have you ever been a hungry ghost? Where, you know, and I feel like this is addiction. So many of us alcoholics, addicts, addiction, where it's just like, I need more. It's not enough. No matter what, it's not enough. There's no satisfaction, constant craving, repetitive craving. Some people get stuck in that realm, live the rest, you know, life as an alcoholic, as an addict. Many of us, most of our community at this point, I think, are people who 
got free from the realm of the hungry ghost, finally became human. no longer addicted, in recovery, healing. But what about the jealous gods? Is that still our mentality sometimes? I got everything, but I still want, still covet. I would be happy, that thought, I'd be happy if I made this purchase, or if I had that, or if I that jealousy, that envy, that craving, that's like, oh, I'm making myself miserable over shit I don't need. I'm angry at people that have more. Or the animal realm where you are reactive. Something happens and you just, no mindfulness, <laughs> no pause, just fuck you. <laughs> just reactive anger, violence, whatever it is, just out of, you know, unconscious animal texting, you know, drunk texting. It's like animal texting. Like I didn't even think about it. I just fucking replied, posted that shit on their page. <laughs> without any thought of compassion or renunciation or just animal instincts, aversive reactivity. Pretty easy to think about it rather than as literal realms, destinations, as just like you can look around the world, you can look at your own life and think, how many incarnations have I had? And sometimes even just in one day, you ever have a day where you're like, I was in hell and then I was in heaven and then I was jealous and then I was insatiable and then I was reactive and 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 then i meditated and i kind of became human for a minute i got some balance and it's like wow i fucking had all six realms in two hours or i lived for a while in a hell realm Or I lived for a while in a hungry ghost realm. Or, you know, maybe it's even more painful if we hear this and we think, fuck, I'm still living in this jealous God's realm. I mean, I feel like the United States, for many people and just many of our, you know, kind of capitalist cultures are such jealous God realms just as cultures. Where it's like, we need more oil. We need, you know... uh, we need more, we need to destroy the planet more. And, you know, unbridled capitalism is just such like this, this is samsara. This is what happens when that human greed, hatred, and delusion that is in each one of us, like we can judge the shit out of 
Facebook and Amazon and the government or like what, you know, right? But that seed of greed is in each one of us. And, you know, and then the culture allows corporatization and monetization and, and there's no, no cap on it, right? Then, uh, then we get the billionaires and we get the kind of situation that we're in. And I don't want to be too hypocritical because I'm on an Apple computer and I use Amazon sometimes and, you know, but like a participating in it. We got a, uh, you know, I, I like this teaching because it always, I love it as a reminder of just like, okay, what do I, what do I want to do? What am I doing here? I want to get free. I want to get free as possible. I don't want to be an animal. I don't want to be in hell. I don't want to be a ghost. I don't want to be a jealous. I want to be balanced. I want to be kind. I want to be compassionate. I want to be non-attached. I want to be loving. I want to be wise. Like that's what I, you know, that's what I really want. I'm not always in line with my uh, ethics or my desires, but that's the, that's the big picture for decades now. Like I want to get free. How do I get free? And we have this map. Here's the map to freedom. And here's all of the, um, sort of warnings, you know, like, hey, you know, jealousy, dead end, hatred, dead end, greed, self-centeredness, dead ends, meditation, renunciation, kindness, generosity, that's the path. So I'll open to discussion, you know, lastly, um, you know, my, I go back and forth with um, confidence or faith about this bigger promise around, and I, I say it because it's my job to say it, it's what the Buddha taught, that you can get free in this lifetime. You don't have to keep wandering through samsara. I don't have to, you don't have to, we don't have to. The Buddha's teaching was freedom is possible in this lifetime. No matter how far down the scales your life has gone. And they, you know, the Buddha used the serial killer Angulimala as an example of somebody who had way worse karma than you do and was able to get free and enlightened in that lifetime. And then it was possible for him, it's possible for us. But we have to. It's, but it's hard. It's hard to be non-attached. It's hard to be generous. It's hard to not take everything personal all the time. It's hard to break our addiction to our own minds, to our own self. But this practice does it. This path uh, leads us in that direction. So uh, I'll leave it there and... Um, what do you think? Questions, comments, does it make sense? Do you uh, want any more details about 
any of these realms or how to use this in, in your own reflections and practice. If you're at home, you can raise your hand, little blue hand. If you're here, you can let me know. Somebody put in a um, question in the chat that says, so do masochists not get tortured in hell realms? Because they would like it too much? Maybe, maybe a hell realm is actually a heaven realm for a masochist? I don't know. I know. Uh, my son, my, just, just a moment. My son said this to me the other night. He said, um, like, I, he likes a rough house. And like, you know, like throw me on the, you know, hit me, throw, not like, you know, not punch, but you know, like rough house, <laughs> throw him on the bed. And I say, you know, and I use the, the, the parlance in our home. I was like, you want a beating? And he's like, yeah, I want a beating. Come on. And so he said to me the other day, he's like, well, you know, I like beatings. He's like, what if you and mom died? And then I had to go to a like foster home and they beat me, but I liked it. <laughs> I said, he said you think they would stop beating me if i liked it and i said um well i don't think you you've never been beaten actually and i don't i'm pretty sure pretty sure you would not like it he's like i was just thinking about that what if my parents died and i went to a foster home and got beatings would that be like a masochist in hell or what <laughs> okay i'm sorry who was it was it misty that was jumping in there who was it no my name's kayla um hi everyone from Boulder, colorado um i was unaware of the different realms um and i'm very grateful for listening to you and um hearing the wisdom tonight and i i read this book called the realm of the hungry ghost um, by Dr. Gabor Mate, and as you were speaking, a lot of things were coming up for me, and so I was wondering if you could just maybe, like, for a minute or two, go a little bit more into detail about that, because my curiosity is spiking. Right, about the Hungry Ghost realm in particular? Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I said that... Uh, my, my sense is that I'm not sure when you look at our culture, it depends on where you sit in our culture, I'm sure, what level of privilege and uh, you're experiencing of whether you see this as a, a culture or your, your experience in, in this world as more like a jealous God where you kind of, kind of have all everything I need, but I constantly crave more. Um, or you see your experience, and, and especially if you've had experience of addiction, as more like um, a hungry ghost, where it's like, there's just, I'm not, I'm taking the drugs, I'm drinking the alcohol, I'm doing the whatever it is, addictive behavior, and the satisfaction is so fleeting. And it's just like the craving is so overwhelming, it's just always more. Um, you know, both of these realms, the jealous gods, the uh, hungry ghosts, it's also just the second noble truth, that the reality for all of us in all realms is repetitive craving, tanha, thirst, craving, attachment. 
And so the extreme example in this cosmology is that ghost, that big body, that tiny mouth. You just can't get it in. And so the internal experience is constant hunger, constant craving. Um, and this is not, this is not, um, I don't know where I heard this. I think I heard it from my father. I, heard, I, don't, I don't know if this really applies or not, Caleb, but I heard this thing around like, uh, imagine that we're all at a, um, that you're in this realm where there's a buffet, there's food and we're all starving, but you all have these um, spoons that are, you can only use the, the utensil, but it's too long. You can't get it into your mouth, no matter what you do. Like, it's like, it won't reach your mouth. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's too long. And you can you know, like kind of try to throw food up and catch it. And, and this, this scene of all of these people, this hungry, starving, trying to feed themselves, but they just, the utensil, they can't do it until some, you know, and that's hell. And that's hungry ghosts until you realize, actually, I can't feed myself, but I can feed you because I have this really long utensil. <laughs> I can't feed myself, but I can feed other people. And that that's part of the solution. That's part of the uh, escape from this kind of hungry ghost realm is help each other, be of service, get out of your self-centered. I mean, those guys that created Alcoholics Anonymous in the 1930s, Bill and Bob, like they were brilliant that they said, hey, uh, help, you know, you know, one of the ways to get out of our self-centered addictive alcoholism, be of service. Stop thinking about yourself and your cravings and help someone else. That was fucking brilliant. That's how we get out of the hungry ghost realm. We stop our self-centered fear-based I, me, mine and say, how are you doing? Can I help you to each other? I hope that's helpful. I don't know if it was or not. Very good. Uh, Lee, go for it. Hey, uh, thanks so much. It's always just really helpful uh, to be in this community and to hear you uh, speak, Noah. So I have a question. I've been thinking about like, um, kind of goes off what you were just talking about, attachment to like, to one of these realms. Like, is there, I'm thinking of the personality types and how you can kind of regulate them by like, let's say, you know, you, you have talked about, you know, if you have a kind of greedier personality type, you can meditate on decay. Or if you have a delusional kind of tendency, you can meditate on being present in your body. Um, I was wondering like, if, if, there's a if there's kind of tendencies towards, seeing these realms, as you said, as like state of minds, if you find yourself constantly in a certain realm, if, if you have any ideas of how you would like adjust or regulate to be to leave that realm, like if you find yourself in a hungry ghost realm of craving, or if you find yourself in a heaven realm, but you're kind of delusional or not like compassionate, if you have any ideas of like, maybe adjustments that you could do. I feel like what you kind of just answered it with service, but yeah, I was just curious if anything comes to mind. Thanks. Um, hell realms call for compassion. Heaven realms call for non-attached appreciation of the impermanent pleasures. Um, 
Animal realm mentality calls for renunciation, non-reactivity, renunciation. Um, the, the hungry ghost, um, also renunciation, but service. Uh, the jealous gods, also renunciation of just like um, knowing that, that you have enough, you don't need to keep on the hedonic treadmill of more. Um, and the human realm, you know, we're always practicing, you know, it's the, it's the uh, sila samadhi panya, it's the ethics, the renunciation, the development of wisdom, mindfulness, concentration. Um, and so it always comes down to like, what do I have to renounce? What do I got to let go of? What am I attached to that it's time to let go of? What do I need to develop? Service, compassion, generosity. Um, Anyways, hope that's helpful. We're just about out of time. I'll take one last comment and try to do it brief. <clears throat> M. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. I can't quite hear you though. Okay. Can you hear me now? Barely. It's okay if you want to skip me. My phone is being weird. Say, 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 it, say what you ask what you want to ask and say it kind of loud. I can kind of hear you. Okay. Um, I have a friend that has confided in me and that they're, they've been sober for a while and they're feeling that pull towards the hungry ghost again. And they, they are not a person that seeks support and help. And I am feeling kind of like I don't know what to do with this information and how to be supportive of someone that may help themselves. Um, if you have any thoughts on that. Okay, I got it. Um, yeah. The question was a friend who's, um, it sounds like, sober, but um, being called, like kind of having cravings about relapse. And uh, they said, uh, being called back into the realm of the hungry ghosts and um, what to do about that because they've confided in, in them, but not, um, not necessarily taking action about it. Like, what do we do when somebody comes to us and says, hey, I'm about to, or I'm wanting to, or I'm tempted to uh, go back, you know, to addiction or using or... Um, a tough question for the last one of the night um, no i mean it's a great question it's a it, but it's it's a it's a tough one and i think it depends on our relationship with the person all i can i can i don't have the answer i'll tell you what i uh would mostly do in my life if somebody came to me and said that is i would try my best to uh remind them of the misery to remind them of like what they're going back to, to try to inspire some, um, some hope, some confidence, some, some faith, and to remind them that there's actually all of these tools, you know, that there's the Dharma practice, there's the recovery groups, there's the, uh, you know, that, that freedom is waiting, you know, and that however difficult it is that's calling us back, whatever we're wanting to avoid by thinking about getting loaded, um, that it never fucking works ever, except for, for just a temporary relief, but then it creates more suffering 
And so I would do my best to talk some sense into them. And, and then I would also practice some equanimity in my own practice, which was understanding that no matter how much we love each other, no matter how much compassion we have for each other, um, at some point, at, at ultimately, uh, we can't control anybody. You can't make anybody stay sober. You can't make anybody uh, do any of the good shit for ourselves. Practice non-attachment or compassion or wisdom or we can't, but we can encourage and, and uh, there is a place for an intervention. There is a place for like, hey, no, like don't fucking do that. And then you have to let go. You don't want to too quickly be like, yeah, do whatever you fucking want. <laughs> you want to first say like, oh, that's a really terrible idea. Remember how much you remember why you got sober in the first place. It doesn't get better. But then you have to let go and say, I love you and I hope you're okay. And I'm here if you need me. That's my sense. Okay, we'll leave it there for tonight. Um, and that was actually a good setup. The, the one before that where uh, they were asking about um, you know, the different antidotes. And next week they were talking about the different, the three personality types. And the last, one of the last chapters in the book is about um, uh, how we are kind of conditioned and, and karmically uh, inclined towards greed or hatred or delusion in our personality. And so next week, we're going to talk about this Buddhist uh, personality types and how we can work with our own personalities and how actually identifying it can really help us in our relationship with others. Because if you see, oh, I have a, a greed personality type and my best friend has an aversive personality type, no wonder we have conflict or my partner or you know whatever it is. And then you can start to see like, oh, that's not personal. That's just their personality. It's not their fault. It's just how they're kind of wired. And then it can really alleviate a lot of conflict. So we'll talk about that next week. Thank you all for your consideration of these teachings reflections and for as the buddha used to say uh it's time for you to do as you see fit fit as you you know reflect on your own practice and your own uh incarnation and in all of these different realms you don't have to believe reincarnation you don't have to believe any of this stuff but to reflect on it and see you know where does it make sense how is it helpful um and trust that Class is done by donation. Against the Stream is a nonprofit. Um, our rent for this space is $3,500 a month. And your donations are meant to pay for the rent. <laughs> um, I intentionally don't charge, have never charged for my weekly classes because the community, uh, it's your practice to be generous and to break your jealous God and hungry ghost-like mentalities by giving not just here at Against the Stream, but in all areas of our lives. But if you are in a position to be generous and help pay the rent and expenses of our center and community, um, $15 is a suggested ballpark for a drop-in class. Many people become monthly supporters. And if you can, and if you appreciate what I'm doing, what we're doing here at Against the Stream, 
really helpful to us if you become a monthly supporter and say, I'll give 50 or $100 a month, whether I show up or not, that helps us pay the bills, keep the lights on, keep the lease paid. Um, so please consider being generous to Against the Stream, to me. And it's believed that there is an accumulation of merit through the practice and discussion of the Buddha's Dharma. We can gather that merit rather than keeping it for ourselves. And we can share it with all of the beings doing time in the hell realms, doing time in the ghost realms, doing time in the animal jealous gods, heaven realms, as well as all of us here in this human realm. May each of us do what we can to awaken and together let's create a positive change on this planet. See you next week, hopefully. Um, there's a link for donations online. If you're here, if you have cash, you wanna drop it in the drawer, in the um, bowl, feel free to drop it in the bowl. If you don't have cash, the um, Venmo, is written there and you can Venmo that way. I do have a card reader somewhere, but I don't really know how to use it. So um, <laughs> there's also a bunch of new cool merch um, here in the center. And also if you're at home and you wanna get some stuff uh, on uh, the Against the Stream site, do it. See you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.